Good morning. If you haven't met me, I'm Ryan Hanson. I'm the student pastor here at Grace. Um, I've been here for three months, uh, and then I put on a weekend uh, event. Um, just a little bit tired. <laughs> but uh, we, what we've done this weekend um, is we've, we've asked students to leave their homes, to come uh, stay in uh, another member of the church's home. Uh, we brought in leaders uh, from outside the church to come teach Bible study, uh, but we've had large group worship here on Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, we had small group Bible study on Friday night and Saturday, uh, and then we spent all morning uh, yesterday at Texas Baptist Children's Home just doing small tasks that um, large groups that come through uh, just didn't have time for, had um, it, they had too big of a group for too small of a task, so we raked leaves, we cleaned a cottage for uh, a house mother who needed to, to leave within a week because uh, she took a new job and her husband was in the hospital, so she was in a little bit of crisis, and so we had a chance to send some girls over there to clean out a fridge and to clean her kitchen and her dining room and to sweep and to mop and do some laundry and fold some laundry, just small things that we did. We ripped up turf uh, in a kickball field so the kids could go outside and play kickball pick kickball without uh, tripping over turf. Um, so we did a whole bunch of stuff, uh, and these kids worked their tails off. So if you see the kids today uh, coming in for second service, you know, give them a pat on the back, say, hey, I'm proud of you, you did a great job. These kids worked so hard this weekend. So um, I just, I, I want to give you a little debrief. There's going to be a video and pictures posted soon, and you'll be able to see and, and hear uh, what happened throughout the weekend, and pretty soon we'll have testimony for the weekend. Uh, but just for right now, uh, these kids are tired uh, because they've worshipped, they uh, they've studied, and they've worked all weekend. Uh, but I am immensely proud of them. And the cool thing is, these students are a reflection of the church at large. Uh, and so... Uh, me getting to witness these students and see these students worship, see these students connect, and see these students be here, um, I have a deeper love and respect uh, for Grace Bible Church as a whole. Uh, and so uh, I don't like to just be in my, my little cave over there in the youth room, uh, but uh, it just it gives me so much more of a respect and a love uh, for y'all, all of you. Um, so thank you for letting me have your, some students for the weekend. Um, but uh, we have had um, three messages this weekend. Uh, our theme for D-Now was Humble, Hungry, Hustle. Can you throw the logo up there real quick? So it's HU3, uh, Humble, Hungry, Hustle. These are the three marks of a disciple. Uh, for the past seven or so weeks, we have unpacked on Wednesday nights the uh, marks of a healthy church or a healthy student ministry. Uh, so we've used Acts 2, 42 through 47 uh, to find seven attributes of a healthy community of believers. Communities gather, they, go to, they attend the temple together, they break bread, and they take communion together, uh, they worship together, they provide for each other, uh, and they, they, they love each other. Uh, and so what we looked at for seven weeks was the attributes of a healthy church, and this weekend we looked at the attributes of a healthy individual Christ follower. Uh, and we distilled that to three. It's based off of a verse in Galatians chapter 6. Um, you don't have it, so I'm just going to read it. Um, verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 17, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. We distilled those, those marks to three marks. Three nails, three marks, but we, we distilled them to humble, hungry, and hustle. Night one, we talked about humility. 
We looked at the glory of Christ in Revelation chapter 4 and how he took the scroll because he earned it. He, he achieved his glory. And our glory is paling in comparison to his. So our humility shouldn't be us talking ourselves down. It should be focusing on a glory much greater than ours. Night two, we talked about hungry. We didn't even eat anything. I was very disappointed. But we talked about hungry and how a disciple is hungry for not just the gospel, but to be a display of God's mercy and to also go share the gospel. So we should be hungry for those three things. Is we should be hungry for the gospel to be preached to us. We should be hungry to be a display for God's mercy day after day. And we should be hungry to go share the gospel with others. That Jesus gave only one new command before he ascended, and that was to go make disciples of all nations. That's our primary goal as a church, to love each other. And I think it, we, we have that goal in mind, but in, in one aspect, when it comes to when a preacher gets up on a pulpit and they start sharing the gospel, some of us just check out a little bit because, oh, I've heard the gospel, I know Jesus, I'm good. This is for the new people or the people that need to hear this message. I think every, every disciple should grow and develop a hunger to hear the gospel preached to themselves daily. And if they don't hear it being preached, they should preach it to themselves. So that's what we unpacked last night. It was a big deal. It was really good. That speaker was fantastic. Uh, but he's super humble. That's weird. It's nice. His humility knows no bounds. Probably the most humble person in the room. <laughs> uh, but I'd like to unpack the third attribute with you as a church. Uh, we like to do disciple now. We like to let it leach over into uh, the Sunday morning experience to give you a kind of a chance to a glimpse to see what your students were going through uh, for the weekend. Um, plus, also, it's cool to have the band come in and give Tim a break um, because he worships every Sunday. He leads every Sunday. It gives him a chance to be on the board and do stuff that he loves and to, and to worship. Um, so, uh, guys, real quick, big thank yous to a whole bunch of people. So, Deb Farr, is she in here? Hey, there you are. Lights. Debfar made so much food, so much food. And so we wouldn't have eaten lunch on, on Saturday if it wasn't for Debfar. So a little round of applause for Debfar. All she got was a shirt. <laughs> um, but Tim, Tim Hammontree, your worship pastor, he was here Friday night, Saturday during the day, and here early this morning. Um, making sure the band was taken care of, making sure the sound was taken care of, and making sure he was trying to EQ this drum cage uh, for everybody. But this man's worked his tail off this entire weekend, uh, and I never asked him to do anything. <laughs> he just did it. It was great. <laughs> Next year, Tim? Uh, but, guys, you have a worship pastor that believes in students. Uh, you have a worship pastor that believes in students enough to, to sit here, back here, and let smell smelly students and listen to them worship and, and play loud music and all that other stuff. And he's back there just having a blast. So be thankful for a worship pastor that loves students. Guys, you have a senior pastor that loves students. Uh, and not, I'm not making this a student-centric day. Please, please know this, but my purview is students, and so I'm kind of partial. Um, but you have a worship pastor that loves the church enough to love students well, uh, and he brings in such an excellent worship pastor. Probably deserves a raise. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm content in all things. Uh, but, guys, 
this weekend wouldn't be possible without the whole church. It really would. It wouldn't be possible. If you prayed this weekend for us, thank you. If you provided money for a scholarship this weekend, thank you. If you showed up and did a couple tasks, thank you. If you came and prayed over every person by name, thank you. Guys, this, this weekend, these kinds of events, these kinds of weekends aren't possible just with a student ministry. It, it's only possible with the whole church. Uh, and so I like to think that Disciple Now is not a student event. It's really actually an entire church event. Um, and so we thank you for that. I thank you for that um, uh, through my haze of, of lack of sleep. But it's good. I'll, I'll survive. Um, I'd like to open God's word today. We're going to unpack the third uh, attribute of our weekend, which is hustle. Um, hustle kind of seems a little opposite of grace. It's kind of like, ooh, a salvation by works thing. Uh, but I want to unpack this and kind of have a good view of what, what, what hustle should mean for a disciple. By no means are you saved through works. You're only saved through the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that. This is the truth that overhangs this entire weekend. Our glory is nothing, but Jesus is everything. So I want to unpack um, hustling for Jesus um, and I'd like to use it, do it using the book of Revelation. We'll be in the book of Revelation chapter 2. Uh, we're going to unpack the letter to the church at Ephesus. Um, real quick disclaimer with the re- book of Revelation. Uh, I think everybody, when they read the book of Revelation, what sits in the back of their mind is trying to calculate the last day, the end of the world, when, it, when the beast is coming, who the beast is, where the beast is, how the beast is. Right now, I just want you to sit in that the beast just is is there. We don't have to figure out which pope is going to be the next beast or who the next president is going to be to usher into the end of the world. I want you to know that the book of Revelation is much more than just fear-mongering. It is, it's a book of truth and love and correction, but also a glimpse into the glory of heaven. Uh, so what I'd like to do is, is take a glimpse into this glory and see what Jesus has to say. When in doubt, talk to Jesus first. Chapter 2, write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Thus says the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the golden lampstands, the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor and your endurance, and that you cannot tolerate evil people. You have tasted or tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name and have not grown weary, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has ears hear, ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in paradise of God. Would you pray with me real quick? Father, we love you. God, we love your word. God, your word is the only glimpse we have into who you are. So God, I ask that your Spirit speaks through us today. Uh, I ask that your spirit speaks to the congregation today. Uh, And Father, if you're calling a church to repent, call them to repent. God, if you are going to to encourage them today, encourage them. Uh, But Father, I pray that you have your way with this this congregation. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus has two things for them. I was, I was kind of shy away from, from evaluation time because there's always the really cool parts, and then there's like the really stingy, like hard parts. I'm a words of affirmation person. If anybody done the five love languages, you know that there's five love languages. Mine is words of affirmation. So positive words build me up, but one tiny little criticism, it could tear my whole entire world down. So this is, this is like super stress for me. <laughs> but Jesus decides to give three, seven letters to the seven churches. And what he's doing is he's giving an evaluation. And this first letter to the church at Ephesus, I think, is very pertinent to everybody. In many ways, these, church, these letters aren't just for those churches. They're for the church. They're for us. So I think we need to unpack these in a, in a, in a healthy way uh, and stay away from thoughts like, well, that's them, not me. That's those guys, not me. That's them at that time, but not me at this time. I think we should unpack this and, and evaluate if we fall into some of these categories, but I only want to unpack one, and that's the church at Ephesus. Jesus unpacks their good stuff first. Verse 2, he, he commends them on their works and their intolerance for evil. In verse 3, he, he commends them for their perseverance through hardships for the sake of Jesus' name. He also commends how well they do it and how they don't grow weary. And in verse 9, he says, you hate the Nicolaitans like I do. It's good. Good job. And I bet you the church at Ephesus is probably like, <laughs> Jesus then drops the hammer. He only has one thing for the church at Ephesus. And it's a pretty big indictment. You have abandoned the love you had at first. If you're a teacher or you work with children on any type, when you have to talk to a parent about a bad thing, I guess, or the child has done, I did this all the time when I was a teacher, uh, I'd like to use the sandwich method, or you probably call it the Oreo method, where you begin with a, with a nice thing, slip the criticism in there, and then end with a nice thing, so you leave a sweet taste in their mouth. Like, oh, Johnny's, Johnny's a big helper. Johnny, Johnny can color within those lines and do math really well. However, he has a problem with talking. But, I mean, just today, he, he held the door open for everybody. He was such a good student. You know? So it, it leaves a good taste in your mouth. Jesus kind of takes this approach, but I don't think it takes the sting out any less. I don't think, I don't think the Church of Ephesus stung any less. When does the flame flicker? You get into a new relationship, a dating relationship, or, or a, a, new, a new position, there's that rosy-colored glass, that romance. You're, you, you're on the phone hours and hours of the day, stretching that telephone cord all the way down the hallway into your room so that you can have some privacy and have a conversation. Or, if you're like me, you just waste your whole battery on your cell phone talking all night on the phone. When I dated my wife, it was like a dream. It still is a dream, but it was like a dream. We were there. We were with each other every weekend. We, we went out all the time. We, we, I always dressed to the nines all the time. I wasn't in a tuxedo, but, uh, but I always dressed nicer. But now that we're married, it's become normal. We see each other every day. 
We see the, the blemishes. We see the, the, the bad times. Where before we would, we would put on our best self and we would see each other and we'd have our, our faces great and be fantastic. Now we let each other see those, those, those dirty things. We get the bad moments, the ugly moments, the, the arguments, the fights. And then it becomes business as usual. Come normal. Where's the transition from discovery, fun, love, romance, to business as usual? When you get a new job, you're at a new job and it's fantastic. You're, you're so great. It's, it's wonderful. And then eventually it, it ushers in, man, I'm just here. I just need to get to the weekend. I'm not there yet. I'm not there at all. But when does that transition happen? I think Jesus is calling the church at Ephesus on that transition. Man, you guys are so great. You protect your flock. You call all of the, the wolves and you cast them out of your congregation and you are so protecting of your flock. You have protected the gospel in your church. You have done so well, but you have abandoned your first love. Where is it gone? I think, and this is just, this is going to be my, my postulation here, I think the church at Ephesus started hustling to be right and started hustling for the argument and the fight. And they started craving the fight and they started craving the, that attitude of winning and protecting and, and being correct and knowing and, and, and having the correct doctrine and theology which is all important, but I think they craved that so much that their view even got taken off of Jesus and only got put on knowledge and only got put on protection and only got put on a track record. This is how many heretics we've banished from the church. This is how many times that we've, we've started to... Uh, uh, protect our, we cast out wolves within our church. And I think after a while, it started becoming infighting because they were so good at keeping the church safe, they started picking at each other. So their focus was removed from the cross and put on each other. And so they started picking apart each other. I think a modern day narrative for this would be, I think we start picking apart carpet color and seat position and and, and light color and stage decoration and, and theory of all of this other stuff, and we forget and we lose sight of our, of our one goal, and that's Jesus. But Jesus, he doesn't stop there. He just doesn't throw the criticism out there and leave it to them to do that. He gives them instructions. He calls the church to repent. Grace is still there. It's still evident. He says, repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, here's the warning. I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. In, verse, in chapter 1, John sees a vision of, 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 a, of a one who's walking amongst the golden lampstands, and it's Jesus. His hair is white as wool. And he has nothing to do but to fall and worship. Jesus is still walking among the golden lampstands. And I think every church in this entire world has a choice. 
you could have great, great landscaping, great facilities, great programming, great, great disciple now weekends. You could have the best staff that has the most, the best assimilation uh, structure, that has the best community structure, that has the best initiatives and the vision. But you could lack the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I don't care how cleanly, cleanly cut your bushes are and even they are. I don't care how debt-free you are. I don't care how that is. But if you've lost me, you've lost the Spirit. And he's not afraid to tell the church at Ephesus, you have lost your first love. Come and repent. Otherwise, I'll remove you. And he has the authority to do so. Guys, here's the deal. I've only been here for three months, so this is not an indictment on Grace Bible Church. This is, this is just truth. The church at Ephesus hustled. They hustled well. Jesus tells them they hustled well. They have good works. But they weren't hustling after Jesus. They were hustling after peripheral things, secondary and tertiary things. They weren't hustling for Jesus to look like Jesus, to talk and act like Jesus. To be Jesus in skin to the world, not just in here, but out there. Jesus is calling the church at Ephesus to repent, and I think he's calling the church to repent. If we find ourselves worried so much about things that aren't Jesus, we need to repent from that. Do you need to repent? Grace is here. Mercy is here. I think, I think the Christian's never-ending song should always be, despite the days before and despite the days to come, should always be God's mercy is new every single day. It doesn't stop. So when Jesus calls to repent, it's not calling to repent so he could demote your status or, or take away. He's calling you to repent so that you can come to grace and love. He's calling the church at Ephesus. He corrects, but he still extends love to the church at Ephesus. He corrects, but he still extends love to us. I would actually be very, very, very scared if he stops correcting. So ladies and gentlemen, this weekend, your students learned what does it mean to be humble as a Christ follower? What does it mean to be hungry? And what are we hungry for as a Christ follower today? I mean, you're getting a glimpse. You're, you're pre. Don't put any of this on Twitter because they haven't seen it yet. Hopefully this is the best one. <laughs> Hopefully this is the best one because first service is the best service. But today... They get to look at hustling. And I think hustling isn't bad. Hustling is good. Jesus commends the church at Ephesus for hustling. Not hustle. Is this the hustle? No, this is, the, this is salsa. What's the hustle? I'll figure it out. I'll look at a video later. It almost fell off. Jesus commends the church for hustling. But he corrects them for hustling in the wrong direction. Don't hustle in the wrong direction. Don't hustle to serve. We should serve out of, out of Christ's love for us. 
his outpouring of, of love and grace that he pours into us should come out as service, should come out as love, should come out of evangelism. So please, these three marks, I know it's, I know it's, it's trivializing the entire issue of what a disciple is, but kids need to be trivialized a little bit. I think our hustle needs to be redirected. It needs to be redirected to Jesus. So here's the deal. The tape on the walls. Whoever did this is a genius. But whoever painted the black gaff tape in the back is way more of a genius than me. The tape comes out. It doesn't go up because there's nowhere to go up from the cross. He who is hung on the cross is already the top. No higher. No better. But this tape goes out. And due to stage restrictions, I couldn't make it a full wall because they couldn't get out here. But it goes out. And here, it comes down. It doesn't discriminate. It goes out and down. The grace of the cross is meant to be shared. We put these crosses on our walls as decorative items, as we wear them as jewelry or on our t-shirts, or we make them, I think in some subtle way, we kind of clean it up because it, it makes us feel a little bit better. But that's a rugged cross, man. Splinters, blood, they, ugh. But from that anger, that, that, that tragedy, that sadness, the violence, comes love and grace. Church, Jesus is calling us to repent. And if you find yourself in a, in a, in a place of sin, if you find yourself in a place of, of focusing on process or doctrine or carpet color or sound I think we need to stop for a second and ask ourselves is Jesus going to be glorified regardless so I think today's fitting it's the first Sunday of the month and so uh, it's a communion day um, and I think this is a, a fantastic way to end this weekend, especially for our students, but with you. Um, one thing that we like to do um, is do communion as a church. Uh, interestingly enough, Jesus gave detailed instructions for as however often in the, the, the uh, what is it called, intervals that we do communion. He just said as often as we do it. <laughs> so we just do first Sunday of the month and fifth Sundays and family days, and whenever we feel like it. Uh, but today's a scheduled communion day for us as a church. I, I'd like to walk through communion real quick, but then I'd like us as a church to take it. Um, uh, Tyler's going to come out and he'll play a song over us. I'd like you to stay uh, for, the, for communion. Take it with your family or friends, or if you don't have anybody here with you, grab somebody else, or if you find somebody that's alone, ask them if they want to come sit with you to take it as a church. Uh, but if you want to be alone, you can sit, in, sit by yourself and be alone. We have four stations right here for you to come and grab the elements. Grab a, grab a piece of bread and grab um, some, 
some blood in a cup, uh, and you can go back to your seat, and there will be somebody walking around with elements as well. If you, if you have trouble getting up here, we don't want you to have to miss out. We're going to take it to you. Uh, let us serve you. Um, but I think what we need to talk about before is um, who can take communion. If we, look at, if we look at the Last Supper, when Jesus instituted communion, everybody there was invited, even Judas. I think at one point, we're not, going to, we're not going to cross hairs about your litmus test for being a believer. If you have a strong relationship with Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, we invite you to take communion. If you, if you don't feel comfortable or you feel like or you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you just don't, you're not fully sure, it's okay to abstain. We're not going to point fingers and, and find you and put you on a list and, and then call you later in the week to see why. Uh, but that'd be fun. But it, it's okay to abstain. Um, it's okay to join in. Uh, but I think what we need to do when we do this is um, acknowledge three things. Uh, when we take communion as a church, uh, and this is whole church universal, uh, when we take a communion as a church, we have to acknowledge three things. That body can't be broken and laid on that plate unless that body was broken. And that blood can't be poured into cups unless that blood was poured out. And so we have to acknowledge what Christ has already done on the cross. We have to look back and see the cross. And then we have to look here now. What, what is Christ doing now? What is the blood of, of, of Christ covering now? But we also, have, have, as a church, have to acknowledge what is Christ going to do? Christ is coming back. So we do this as often as we can until he comes back. So as a church, through action and through love, we get to declare the gospel through communion, is that Christ loved us enough to descend to earth, to live the life we, live the life we could never live, die the death we were supposed to die, and offer salvation. As we take communion today, put those three things on your mind. And if you have repentance to do, it's okay. There's love. There is grace and there is mercy. Tyler's going to play some songs, um, play a song. Um, come when you're ready. Um, come collect the elements. Come back to your seat. Do what you want. When the song is over, we'll have Pastor Dave will come back up and then you'll be dismissed. But uh, let's spend some time as a church together in the same room um, acknowledging who Jesus is, repenting from things we need to repent from, uh, and refocusing and re- refocusing our hustle to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that your son is not a tyrant, that he doesn't rule over us with an iron fist waiting to throw lightning bolts at us when we mess up. God, your son loves. And so, Father, as we take communion today as a church, let your love abound in this room. Let your grace comfort those who need to repent. Let your love and your mercy just overflow in this room. Father, if if someone here today has heard the gospel for the first time or truly heard the gospel for the first time, we praise you for that. Um, We pray that they can find somebody to, to have a conversation with, multiple conversations with. But Father, we thank you for this weekend. We pray that you are most glorified this weekend. In your name we pray, amen.